The idea of eternal life is often associated with some sort of disembodied life after we die. We die, the soul goes to heaven, and, and everything's better. Now, while there's no way for anyone to make a claim as to knowing the truth about this particular disembodied state, we can at least look at Mark, you know, what Mark is writing about here, because it might not be the same idea, the same thing. The Jewish people at the time often thought of the world as one with two ages, the present age, the time when God, or the time before God comes in and finally eradicates sin. So the present age, we see sin, injustice, and oppression. And then the age to come is the second age, and that's when God comes in and eradicates the sin, justice, and oppression, passing judgment and, and establishing God's rule on earth. It's the way the world was intended to be uh, in creation. And the rich man who has everything comes to Jesus and asks how to inherit eternal life. So when we hear how do I inherit eternal life, what we're hearing is how do I inherit life in the age to come, the time when God reigns on earth. It's not about some disembodied state or how to follow a list of commands in order to get into some into heaven somewhere, some state of, of disembodied presence, of bliss somewhere else. Now, Jesus responds to this question. Sell everything. Give your money to the poor and follow me. Well, the man asked the big question and he got a big answer. The big answer. Let's face it. Jesus put out a pretty big matzo ball right there. Then comes the reaction from the rich man. Surely the same kind of reaction as many who hear this today. It's a feeling of grieving and sadness. And most who hear it move away from the message crestfallen, perhaps wondering how this is possible in our present age and time how could Jesus make such a demand and expect anybody to follow it? Many then decide, okay, we have got to make a choice. I either choose to follow this command and I sell all my things and live in poverty, or I just ignore it and let it go away. And perhaps I'm already excused from this particular instruction. And I don't blame anybody for thinking this way. Because this particular uh, piece of instruction seems like a draconian command. And we live in a market economy and the pressure is on. We all know that the pressure is on us. Consider the modern parents. Consider the modern family. We are making payments on a couple of cars, a house, maybe a vacation house and a boat somewhere. We're paying off credit cards on which we have the balances from our TVs, some computers, the cell phones. We have kids, so there's tuition that we've got to pay for for school or save for for college. That costs a whopping amount of money, so it means less time at home and more hours in the office, which means we have to raise more money for child care. Our harried life then means we have less home-cooked meals, so we have to eat out several times a week. Well, if we eat out that much. We've got to work off all that flab. So we need a membership at the gym. Maybe put a couple of extra bicycles on the credit card. 
And let's not forget that the lifestyle has to be protected, so we need to purchase health insurance and car insurance and house insurance and life insurance. Oh, and let's not forget the church, which needs money to function. So when Sunday rolls around, we generously put a $20 bill into the plate. That's not a suggestion. (laughs) But it feels like just another responsibility to meet. And this whole racket gets stressful. And life gets less enjoyable. And we start holding on to what we have. And we become less generous and less loving. But the system still gives us an identity and prestige as we move up the ladder in some sort of distinction. And not to mention, playing this game keeps us off the street. So how can Jesus suggest we give it all up? Stressful as it may be, how can we trust advice like that? How can we trust someone who tells us to just get rid of that? Perhaps trust is the point. The rich man may have been like us, trapped in some system that bought him prestige, but not happiness, nor a spiritual connection to the creator. Now, this idea would have gone against the grain at his time because wealth was seen as a sure sign of God's blessing. But perhaps the man felt empty somehow and wanted more. So he asked the question, how can I find life in the age to come? Jesus says, sell it. Sell it all. Do not put your trust in the system. Put your trust in me. Sell. Accumulation of wealth does not bring happiness. Generosity does. Sell. If you want to live in the age to come, start living in the age to come now. I am with you. Sell. I have a friend who is something like the rich man to me. He was college graduate and got into hotel management business uh, and then parlayed that into a career in in, um, real estate as a broker for massive hotel properties. And he worked for a company for a long time, accumulated a lot of wealth, and then started his own company and started that process as an entrepreneur and, and was really moving onward and upward. His life was quite similar to the one I portrayed earlier, upwardly mobile, but he started feeling really constricted. He was in this system, and he, and he just started feeling tense and lots of anxiety. And he was yearning for more. There has to be more, he thought. And he sensed there was some other call for him, but he didn't know what it was. And so he sort of avoided this feeling for a while and started doing volunteer work and doing Stephen ministry and taking adult ed classes at church but he was still deeply entrenched into this other life that he had. And so it was like two different spheres, and he was confused. He didn't really know how to reconcile this, this anxiety that he was feeling in his, in his whole vocational life and what he was trying to do with himself spiritually. And he was making these small incremental changes. And the Spirit continued to work in him, not letting him go so easily. So my friend was hearing something similar to self. Put your trust in me. Sell. Put your trust in me. And so, after discerning for some time, he decided on a new vocation, one that allowed him more time at home, more time for ministry. And he changed his lifestyle radically. Getting to the financial top was not his goal anymore. He really did sell. He and his wife 
took this command more literally than most and got rid of a boatload of stuff. I think he went too far because he got rid of his golf clubs. I'm not quite sure why. Maybe he thought that golf was not included in the age to come. I disagree. But he and his wife, they put their trust in something new. Their life was more centered on Christ. And there was more happiness in their life. And they were more at ease. There's a sense of peace that they were finally on the right track, focusing on the right things. And their their lives were brimming with new possibilities. Life was still hard. Life is still hard. And they still have financial burdens. But though they they have less, they actually live more generously now. And they do not live in want. God provides. We all can't drop what we're doing and make wholesale changes in one day. But perhaps this instruction from Jesus, this command is not actually a command, but an invitation. An invitation to take stock and examine where we put our hearts, our minds, where we put our trust. An invitation to live more freely, more generously. An invitation to participate in a different system, one where our self-worth is not dependent upon moving up some ladder, but our self-worth is found in the love of Christ that we find in our community. It's an invitation to live with less anxiety and to feel less of a prisoner of this economic system around us, these forces around us, and become more of an enabler of hope. Now, this alternative system, this love, this trust is part of what we say in our baptismal promises. We say we're going to put our whole trust in the love and grace of Christ, and we promise to obey and follow Christ. And as Christians, we do this so we can continue to move the world towards a new era, so we can advance closer to that life of the age to come. And of course, we cannot have this new life without the help of God in Christ, but with God, all things are possible. We can even begin to experience this new life, this life of the age to come. Jesus is with us, inviting us, inviting us to a new way. How will we respond to that invitation?